We're gonna go to Revelation chapter four. Yes! Praise God. Revelation four, verse one. John is writing this book and he's had a revelation from God, a vision from God, and he had been talking to the churches in Asia at, the, at that time, chapters one, two, and three. And then chapter four, all of a sudden, the book of Revelation takes a different shift. It goes from talking to these churches to all of a sudden an open vision that John has of heaven and eternity. And this is what it says in verse one. After these things, I looked up and behold, a door was standing open. Everybody say open doors. He said a door was standing open in heaven and the voice that I heard was like a trumpet calling out to me saying, come up here. Church, it's time to come up higher. It's time for us to go to a higher level. It's time for us to stop thinking so temporary and start thinking a little bit more eternal. It's time for us to stop living in such temporary uh, focused mindset and start seeing from God's perspective. You know, God has a different vantage point than you and I. If you're waiting for me to start preaching, it's already started. This is what he says. He says, come up higher, come up here, come up with me and I'll show you the things which will take place after this. Interestingly, the next two chapters of this, after this verse, are all about a worship service that's happening in heaven. The next two chapters, Revelation four and five, are God's worship service in heaven. And I reckon that God wants to invade our worship service here on earth. I think God wants a little bit of what's happening in heaven to leak down here on earth in our worship service. You know, sometimes we can get really content with the worship here on earth. We can say, man, that, I really like that worship. Oh, I really like that band. I really like Planet Shakers. Ooh, I really, but you know, we ain't seen nothing yet. God wants us to hunger and thirst for even more of his presence, even more of, his, of the reality of God in our lives, inhabiting the praises of his people. It's gonna be a great word today. I've already just felt God stirring in my spirit all week long to share it with you. We're gonna say a declaration today. If you're new to Victory, we say this every week. We welcome those that are new to join right along with us. It's a Victory Confession of Faith. Here, we're gonna say it on the count of three. You ready, church? One, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I, my heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Lord, we thank you for victory. We thank you for joy. We thank you for peace. God, we thank you that today we're gonna leave different than the way we came in. God, I pray for the community of Stillwater OSU. I speak peace and comfort, God, to families who've walked through pain this weekend. God, I thank you for just your, your, your peace in Mexico. God, the hurricane that was supposed to be so bad. God, that you calmed that storm down. And yet, there were still people affected. So God, I pray peace and comfort and just, Lord, a hope in those people to rebuild and strengthen families who lost things during that hurricane. God, I thank you for your grace this morning right here in Tulsa, your protection, your love. Lord, that whatever we walked in here with, it's not a you. God, that we're gonna walk out without that thing in our heart or in our mind. I thank you for freedom today, healing today, victory today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Give someone a high five and just say, zoom out. Zoom out, my friend. Zoom out. <laughs> Praise God.
Well, I know you're wondering, what, what does that mean, zoom out? Zoom is Z-O-O-M. It is a word, and it's something we use on our phones when we're taking a picture. Oftentimes, we will take a picture, and we will zoom in on an object. And right now, I'm going to give you an example. If the camera could just zoom in right on my face and uh, show, look at that. Whoa. Come on, back off. We don't need to see all those moles. Get back, get back now. Back. Zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, zoom out. There we go. But there's this thing on cameras called the zoom in and the zoom out button. And I think about how in the Bible, there were times where people were going through difficult times. And oftentimes for you and I, we will zoom in. And another word for zoom in is magnify. We will magnify a circumstance, a problem, a, a flaw on our face. When I take pictures of me and my wife, she always wants to check the picture to make sure, you know, it's the right angle, that we got the right Look, and if it's not good, we're going to trash that picture in that little trash can at the bottom of the screen. But you do the same thing sometimes. You will look at pictures, and you'll look for the flaw. You'll immediately go. Uh, I do it too. We'll go to that self-conscious spot that we don't want people to see, or we don't want it to look that way. And we don't just do this with pictures. We oftentimes will do this even with memories and seasons in our life, moments where it's difficult. Anybody ever have difficult moments in your life? Okay, good, so I'm talking to the real crowd today. All right, so all of us face moments that are difficult, and that's not like a, a, a negative thing to say. We all go through things that aren't easy. In fact, me and my wife, we were, we were traveling last weekend to preach at Victory Orlando, our sister church, and we were there with Sarah and Caleb, and we decided to bring our babies with us. Well, we had missed our flight. It wasn't our fault, it was the airlines, but... We got there, and it, was in, and it was early in the morning, about 5 a.m., and uh, our babies were screaming. They were not happy. We have a 21-month-old and a 4-month-old, so just pray for us. <laughs> two under two. It's good. And um, anyways, in that moment, I was just overwhelmed. They were crying and screaming, and people were staring at me, and they were, you know, like, shut your baby up. And I was like, I'm trying. I don't know how to do it. You know, I'm doing everything I can. And then I started staring at them back, just like, stop staring at me. And so I was zoomed in on this difficult moment, and I sighed under my breath. And I bet you've done this before. I sighed, and I go, this stinks. And I didn't think anyone heard me, but my wife heard me. And she said, this stinks? Really? She's like, Paul, this is awesome that we get to have our babies traveling with us to go and minister at your sister and brother-in-law's church. And all of a sudden, I felt convicted. I was like, I know, but right now in this moment, they're screaming, and, I'm, and I was being a baby, right? I was just, I was whining and complaining. I was magnifying the wrong thing. And whenever you magnify, it drives your emotions, it drives your feelings, it drives your decisions, it drives the words that come out of your mouth. Whatever you're zooming in on is going to drive your language, it's going to drive your thoughts, it's going to drive uh, how you feel during that season. And I think oftentimes when we're walking through difficult seasons, we will zoom in on the difficulty and we'll focus so much on that, that difficult moment that we're missing the big picture. We're missing what God sees while we're looking at this small, uh, this thing that seems so big. We've zoomed in on this mountain, and it looks so big to us. But from God's view, it looks so much different. I want to show you the picture I took of us on the plane, me and my wife and our two boys. And this was all of us together, Liam and Benaiah. And I was enjoying it, and, and I, was, I was thankful, but at the same time, I was a little frustrated too. Anybody ever been there before? Like there was some frustrations, difficulties. And I, all I needed to do was zoom out and see, man, how blessed am I 
to have two healthy babies with vocal cords that can call all the dogs in Tulsa. <laughs> but for real, I started repenting. I'm, I'm being honest. I started tearing up and I go, God, I'm sorry for magnifying the wrong thing. I'm sorry for magnifying the difficulty and missing out on the blessing because I'm so blessed to have a wife who loves me, to have two sons that are healthy, to have a mom that I don't deserve who just cares for her kids and has planted this amazing church that I get to help pastor, a dad who raised me and a grandma who's still, two grandmas that are still alive and kicking and serving the Lord and on the front row at church praying for their grandson and my Uncle Charles and Aunt Linda here this morning. Sometimes we magnify the wrong thing and we miss out on the blessings all around us. And I read Revelation this last week and I saw something I've never seen before, a message I've never preached that I've never heard anyone else preach. When we read Revelation, oftentimes we look at the end times, the Antichrist, and we see all the intense stuff, and there's a temptation to read Revelation and magnify the wrong thing. Someone came up to me this month during the series and they said, I'm so afraid. They were crying, I'm so afraid. I'm afraid I'm gonna get beheaded by the Antichrist and I'm afraid I'm gonna be left behind. I'm gonna be separated from my family. I'm gonna miss the rapture. I'm, I'm afraid I'm gonna face. And I said, you are magnifying the wrong thing because revelation is not about stirring up fear in your life. Revelation is about stirring you up to worship the King of Kings, the Lamb who was slain, the worthy one. Revelation is about showing us the man, Jesus Christ, and how amazing he is. And I think about how John, the beloved, the author of this book, that he was, he was balanced in his mindset. He had gotten a revelation of a bunch of intense things that were coming, and yet he was overwhelmed by the majesty of God. He wasn't overwhelmed by the fear of what was going to come. He was more overwhelmed by the beauty and the amazing goodness of our God. That John, here he was on an island, exiled, isolated from humanity, 90 years old. Think about this. John is a 90-year-old man. He's the longest living disciple. No other disciples are still alive. He's been exiled to an island all by himself. This is the original survivor. John on the island all by himself surviving wild animals and trying to scavenge for food. And he's in his 90s. This is a difficult season for John. Right? He has no family, no friends, no spouse, all by himself. Loneliness is, is trying to come against him. And what happens in the middle of his most difficult season? He gets a revelation of heaven. He gets a vision of heaven's worship service. God says, come up here. John, I know you're looking at what you're walking through down there, but come up higher. Come up higher. Let's zoom out for a second. Let's zoom out for a moment. And let's not look at what we're walking through here on this earth that we compare, that we think is so difficult. Let me show you what's happening up here. Because what's happening up here needs to start happening down there. And you might say, theologically, I don't know. We're not supposed to taste heaven until we die or until the, the Lord returns. And then we get to experience what heaven's all about. Well, God sent heaven down to earth through his son, Jesus Christ. He said, I want to interrupt your temporary with some eternity. And God sent Jesus eternity in his hands to come and interrupt the temporary situations that people were in. Sickness and disease and adultery and religiosity and all the other things that were messing up man's uh, minds and man's hearts and marriages. And, and Jesus shows up and he says, eternity is here. Heaven has come down to earth. And you know what Jesus said? 
He said, if you're going to pray a prayer, let me give you a model prayer to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says, this is what you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then verse 10, he says, your kingdom come. Say it with me. Your will be done on earth. Jesus wants what's happening up there to leak down to what's happening in here. Jesus wants to take our worship service to a higher level. Somebody say, turn it up. Turn it up. He wants us to taste the presence of God. He wants us to worship as if Jesus is the only thing that matters. Well, when we say the scripture, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we need to find out what is heaven really like? What is heaven all about? Revelation 21 that says this, that in heaven there is no tears of pain. There's no suffering. There's no suicide. There's no divorce. There's no cancer. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no blood except for the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. There's no darkness. Jesus is the light. There's no need for sun, moon, or stars. He illuminates the heavens. Jesus is everything. He's everything. And in heaven, they're not talking about what they're worried about. They're talking about the answer. Their eyes are on the throne room of God. They're not focused on difficulties and trials and tribulation and circumstances. Their eyes are fixated on the throne of God. Go with me real quick to Revelation 4. Watch what happens when John begins to see heaven. When he's pulled out from the temporary and he gets a glimpse of eternity. And band, I want you to come up because we're getting ready to go into a, a praise break in this place. Here we go. Verse 2, immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he who sat on the throne. And by the way, while John is saying this, remember he's on an island all by himself. He's walking through all kinds of trials and difficulties and yet he's allowing heaven to leak down into earth. He's allowing eternity to interrupt his temporary. That's some Monday motivation for you right there. He says this, and the one on the throne was like jasper, sardius stone in his appearance. A rainbow surrounded the throne like emerald. Around the throne were 24 elders, and on the thrones I saw the 24 elders sitting and clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads, and from the throne proceeded lightning, thunder, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Church, what if worship could look like that in our service? What if there was lightning in this room? What if there was thunder in this room? <laughs> the amazing presence of God. I'm going to say a word that you probably haven't heard, may, may not know the definition of some of y'all in the room. But what if there was a Shekinah glory in this room? Like an actual cloud that we could just feel the presence of God. And I know some of y'all are like, that's too weird, that's too deep, I'm not ready to go there, I'll wait till heaven to experience that. I'm comfortable and content with just our regular service, just one hour and let's go to first watch and let's get out of here and eat some bacon and eggs. But what if God wants to interrupt your earthly, temporary first watch Sunday morning church service and give you a little bit of heaven on earth? I would rather have heaven on earth than first watch eggs and waffles, I love it but I'm much more satisfied being in the tangible presence of God. Whew. Take a praise break just for a second. God, you're so good.
there's nothing that you're going through that God can't bring you through and bring you out of. And there's something about this story that just arrested my soul this week. I was praying because I said, God, I don't even know how to preach this sermon. I don't know how to communicate what I felt this week because I, li- I really felt the tangible presence of God this week. And I just was weeping. And when I was thinking about John on the island of Patmos, I go, I've never thought of revelation like this. I've never thought about the fact that John was in a hellish environment and yet he experienced a heavenly vision. Are you kidding me? All of us on this, in this room have walked through some extreme difficult moments. And I know I was joking about the moment where my kids were screaming, but I remember when my father passed. I remember when we've walked through some tough storms in our church. And I get so laser focused. I zoom in on the problem. I zoom in on my grief. I zoom in on the worry. I zoom in on the cares. And I think I'm never going to get through this. I'm going through tough times, God. I'm going through some really difficult times. And I wonder if God's trying to just whisper and interrupt temporary for a second and say, zoom out. Zoom out. I want to show you what heaven's like. I want to show you. And I want some of this up here to come down into that down there. I want what's happening up here to interrupt what's going on down there. If you're like me, when I watch the news and I see stuff like what happened in Stillwater this last weekend and when I see what's going on with refugees in the Middle East, it hurts my heart. It hurts me. But I, I wonder if God's saying, it's good to have compassion. It's good to pray because that's what you should do. But don't magnify, don't magnify the darkness. Because if you magnify the darkness, it's gonna swallow up all the light in your life. And so many times, we're magnifying not just our flaws. We've got, we've got the zoom in button and we're taking selfies and we're zooming in on our accomplishments. We're magnifying ourselves. We're magnifying what's wrong with us. Or we'll zoom in on other people. We'll magnify what's wrong with our spouse and what's wrong with our church and what I wish would change about my pastor. And you know, whatever it is that you love to zoom in on, that's everything's wrong. We zoom in on the news and wish this would change about our nation. It's just going down the tube. It's just all doom and gloom. And I wonder if God's saying, hold on, hold on. I don't want you to wait till heaven to taste heaven. I want you to allow heaven to invade your everyday life in the United States of America. And I want it to leak down into your worship services in the four walls of your church. And then I want it to go outside the four walls of your church. And you can't bring the presence of God into your world if you haven't tasted the presence of God in your private time. You can't take God's glory with you if you haven't really received God's glory inside you. And I think God today just wants to interrupt our temporary and say, I see, I know, and I'm still on the throne. I see what you're walking through. I know you, you had the miscarriage. I know you're feeling hurt because he, he left you for another person. I know you're walking through storms. I know about your estranged son. I know about the strife that you had on the way to church. But I want you to know I'm still on the throne. I'm still good. I'm still God. And the, and the world one day is going to experience heaven the way that it was supposed to be experienced. But until then, don't magnify the darkness. Get a bigger picture. Zoom out for a second and magnify the Lord. Give Him praise this morning. He's worthy. David said in Psalm 34, verse 3, he said, Oh, come magnify the Lord. He didn't say, Oh, come and magnify the storm. 
He didn't say, oh, come and magnify ourselves. He didn't say, oh, come and let's magnify our problems. Let's magnify what's wrong with the church, what's wrong with the pastor, what's wrong with America, what's wrong with our family members, what's wrong with our spouse. He says, oh, come, let's magnify the Lord. Because when we zoom in on the right thing, it changes everything inside of us. When we zoom in on the goodness of God, the greatness of God, His name is above every name. When we exalt that, when we take the magnifying glass off of ourselves and off of our circumstance and put it on the throne room of God and say, Oh God, you're so good. You're so faithful. You're still with me. You're still inside me. You're not against me. You're for me. There's still breath in my lungs. And with every breath, I'll sing a hallelujah. I'll give you praise, God. It's that that opens the door to the favor that you've been waiting for. See, John, he saw an open door, and I think the reason why he saw an open door is because he had a fixated heart on the right thing. The open door you've been waiting for is connected to the worship and the magnification that you've been making. And as long as you worship the problem and magnify you and magnify your accomplishments and your achievements and your crowns, you aren't going to see the open door that God wants to give you. It's only when you get your eyes off yourself and off your problems and off the problems of other people and on the answer who sits on the throne that the door flings open. I'm telling you, this is the key. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, they were locked in a prison cell. And it says that they, were, they had been beaten black and blue. Their, their bodies were in pain. They were feeling infirmity in every part of their body. And they were locked up in chains, and it was dark. But the scriptures literally say at about midnight. Everybody say midnight. Midnight. Church, it's getting closer to midnight in our world right now. It's getting darker. The devil is trying to stir up a storm across the earth. What do we do when it gets darker? What do we do when it gets closer to midnight? It says Paul and Silas at about midnight. I want to throw up that scripture. I believe it's Acts 16. There it is right there, verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Come on, somebody. This is how you zoom out from your problems and zoom in on Jesus. When you're in the middle of a storm, you're all locked up. It's dark. You've been walking through difficulties. It says they began praying. They didn't allow their surroundings to determine their worship. They didn't allow their surroundings to set the volume, to set what they were going to magnify. In fact, they said, let's zoom out from the prison for a second, and let's zoom in on heaven's worship service. Let some, let some of that heaven worship service get down in our prison cell right now. And as they begin to worship and sing hymns and magnify the Lord, it says this. It says, suddenly there was an earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. Come on, shake somebody next to you. It says that as they were shaken, immediately the doors flung open. Everybody say open doors. Your open doors are connected to your worship and praise. And it says the doors flung open and everyone's chains fell off. Church, when we begin to praise the Lord, when we begin to allow heaven to invade our temporary situations, the chains begin to fall off. The doors begin to open. Whew, Jesus. Watch what happens in Revelation 4. John gets a glimpse of heaven's worship service. It says, I saw the throne. 
and the living creatures surrounding the throne. And day and night, verse 9, they could not stop singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and they throw their crowns down at the feet and they magnify the Lord singing, You are worthy, Lord to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things and all things exist because of your hands. Church, I'm really not here to sing on pitch. I'm here to give glory to God because that is what delivers me from the fears around me. Your open door is connected to your worship, your favor, your breakthrough, your healing. Praise precedes the breakthrough. Watch this. Heaven's worship service is amazing. It says, it says, I saw on the right hand of God, chapter 5, verse 1, on the throne a scroll. And, and on the scroll, the angel got up and said, who is worthy to open this scroll? Because it had very important stuff to read. Who's, who's worthy to open it? No one on heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll. And I was weeping because I wanted to hear the scroll. I wanted to see it. But then an elder came to me and said, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Jesus. Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose the seven seals. And there stood a lamb as though he had been slain, and yet he lived forevermore. And when he took the scroll, the creatures around the throne poured out a bowl of incense, which was the prayers of all the Christians in the world. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to open the scroll. You are worthy, you were slain, and you've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You've made us kings and priests to our God, and we will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures. And remember, as John is singing this, saying this, he's on an island all by himself. He's going through a difficult time, and yet he's enamored by eternity. He chose not to magnify the temporary, and he chose to zoom in on eternity. Never forget why we're here on earth. It's not about a house, a boat, a car, a job, a salary. None of those things can satisfy us. There's no sensual satisfaction you could have with another person. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of fame or followers on Instagram that would make you feel satisfied enough. It's only when we worship God that true satisfaction and fulfillment really comes. There's no drug. There's no drink. There's no sin you could commit that would actually give the pleasure that God gives us when we shift our focus on Him. And John says this, the thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 sang with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, they sang together, blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And all the creatures flung their crowns at the feet of God. Church. God wants to interrupt your temporary with a worship service from heaven. Sometimes we look at worship here on earth like it's filler time. Like, okay, 15 minutes, let's get to the word so we can get out of here. 
But in heaven, worship is everything. It's not filler time. It's not, it's not like, let's get the worship done so we can get to the message and then we can get out of here and fellowship. Worship is everything. And it's all Jesus-centered. And when they worship in heaven, they're not thinking about where they're going to go eat or what's going on in their life. The circumstances of life are not consumed in their mind or their heart. Everything in their heart and mind is fixated on Jesus, the Lamb of God. It's all about Him. It's all from Him, through Him, and to Him. And I think some of that needs to come down here. I think we need to say, Lord, let heaven's worship service be on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, interrupt our victory 11 a.m. service with your Shekinah glory. God, I pray that your worship would just invade our worship. God, that we would get our minds off ourselves and off our problems and off our circumstances and off the news and off our fears. And God, that we would turn our worries into worship, that we would turn our fears, God, into a shout of praise this morning. I want you to stand to your feet all over this place. We're going to go right back into worship. Those of you that want to be water baptized, you can come down here. We're going to celebrate you, but I want to do something right now. If you're here right now, and you need to get your eyes off of a circumstance, a situation, a sickness, your healing is connected to your worship. Your breakthrough, someone's going to get healed this morning. I feel it. Because you're going to get your eyes off of the sickness and get your eyes on the healer, the answer. You just come right out of your seat. Come find a spot at this altar. Maybe you're here right now and you're walking through strife, a storm at home. Maybe it's a financial need, lack in your life, in college, for your family, for your kids. Maybe it's for your grandkids. Maybe there's just infirmity. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. If you came in today exhausted, weary, tired, I'm telling you, you can leave today refreshed, encouraged, renewed. You can get your spirit man built back up, but it's got to start with an, an honest, sincere prayer praise and worship and that we wouldn't just sit through worship with our arms crossed judging whether we like the song this isn't American Idol this isn't the voice this is stepping into the throne room of God saying God I don't care what song we're singing I'm worshiping you I don't care who's singing it I don't care if I know the lyrics I don't care if the, the thunder's too loud Lord I want to worship you I want heaven to invade my worship here on earth all over this room Jesus Jesus, just say his name, Jesus. Just magnify the name of Jesus right now above every name, above cancer, above suicide, above grief, above sadness, above divorce, above circumstances, above the sin, the temptation, the, the problems, the pornography, the darkness that's been trying to swallow up the light in your life. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on, let's just worship God right now. Just give him worship. Just worship the Lord with me. Let's magnify the Lord. 
right now, the devil is trying to block some of our praise. It's like we're getting there, but we need to break through. We need to push through. I think there's a glass ceiling that the devil's trying to put above our heads, saying, you don't, don't press anymore. Don't press through. Don't push through anymore. We need to take a hammer and just break that glass ceiling right now. Our praise has got to push through in Jesus' name. Some of you are facing some major things in your life. Depression is going to be broken right now. Fear is going to be broken. Complacency is going to be, oh, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Where there's been lack, where there's been fear, where there's been oppression. Let's sing that song, Nothing is Impossible. Sing this out with me. Come on, push through, push through. Break that ceiling off. Let's praise God like heaven is invading earth, like eternity is interrupting the temporary. Right now, God is saying, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm in you, in Jesus' name.
want to pray right now for impossible situations. If you're in an impossible situation right now, and the devil's been saying that word, it's impossible. It's impossible for your marriage to be healed. It's impossible for you to have kids. It's impossible for this sickness to be gone. Lift up your hands. We're going to break it right now in Jesus' name. I speak life in Jesus' name. I rebuke the spirit of death. I rebuke the spirit, God, of infirmity. I rebuke that spirit of finality. And I speak life into marriages and life into couples who need to have kids. And I say, open the womb in Jesus' name. Let life come forth and death be driven out in Jesus' name. I pray to sickness and disease to be broken, cancer be broken off that family in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now for every impossible situation. You said you're the God who makes impossible possible. And there's nothing, nothing, nothing too difficult that you cannot do. Lord, you are able. You are able. Give him praise this morning. He's able to do the impossible. Give him praise. devil will try to steal our praise first because if he can steal our praise he can steal our joy and if he steals our joy he steals our strength this message is so much more important than you realize because your worship builds the joy that you need to produce the strength that you need to persevere through the valley that you've been walking through and I want to tell you today the valley does not belong to death the valley does not belong to sin. The valley does not belong to depression. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for his rod and his staff that comfort me. It means that when I'm walking through the valley, that my shout and my worship can still own the valley. That I lift my eyes up to where my help comes from. That even though I might be walking through a storm or a difficulty, I'm not going to let my surroundings determine my worship. I'm not going to let my surroundings set the volume of my praise. Victory is in our shout. You got to get your shout back. You got to tell the devil, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. You don't win, devil. I'm shouting victory in the valley. Victory in the valley. Jesus. Come on, let some of that heaven get into your praise this morning. We just broke a ceiling in this place. 